Saquon Barkley. So I'm not a, this isn't an NFL podcast. There's a lot of probably Salvadoran, European Bitcoiners listening to this. So I got to give you a proper intro. Saquon Barkley, arguably one of the most talented prospects to play the running back position in American football. Consensus All-American in 2017. Broke every record at Penn State pretty much in the running back position. Sounds one. In the running for the Heisman Trophy, second overall pick to the New York Football Giants, offensive rookie of the year, Pro Bowl, then made the Pro Bowl again last year, and is probably what, like Bo Jackson meets Barry Sanders, maybe? Uh, I'm I, gassing you up. I, I, I wouldn't say that. We, but I appreciate that. We appreciate you, man. Thank you no, for coming on, you. bro. Thank you guys for having me. Always, always a pleasure when I get to link up with two boys. So how are you doing, man? I know, so in the middle of that story I just told, so you break every record. Penn State, by the way, for those of you that are tuning in from El Salvador or whatever, it's one of the most prolific college football, American football programs in our country. And then to be drafted by the New York Giants is probably, the Giants and the Cowboys are probably the most valuable, most prolific franchises in the National Football League in, in our country. And then you tore everything in your knee I think, right? Mm -hmm. It was like ACL, MCL, meniscus. Did I get that right? I'm making shit up in your knee. Okay, all of that. Uh, And then came back, hurt your ankle, came back, and then made the Pro Bowl again. So how are you feeling? Are you healthy, happy? How are you doing, man? Uh, I'm happy. Uh, Nothing I can complain about, really. Uh, Just focusing on training. I've been out here in Arizona in this scorching heat right now. I don't know why. Grinding with my trainer uh, in Excels with Nick Hill. Uh, been fortunate enough to have a lot of NFL guys, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell, Isaiah Simmons, Debo, Kirk, the list goes on and on. Um, been fortunate enough to have those guys to push me and, and just grind. That's what really all it is right now, where, I'm, where my mindset is, just grind and get better and prepare myself for whatever happens next. You're healthy. You're good. Healthy. Yeah, I feel my body feels. My body feels great. My good, body man. feels really good. Good. I mean, all of us. I don't care if you're an Eagles fan. You want this guy healthy. He's, well, again, for those of you all over the world, I don't actually know who watches my podcast yet, mm. but um, from wherever you are, uh, it's probably the most popular sport in our country and one of the most exciting players. And you want this guy healthy. You want this guy in the field. All right. This is a money podcast. Yeah. The reason I, one of the reasons I started the podcast is because my exploration through what is money, getting into Bitcoin, I've met presidents, I've met folks like you, I've met folks like Jack Dorsey, and we all relate and have some relationship to money. Mm-hmm. And it's a crazy time to sit down with you. I swear, I didn't even do it on purpose, but you're in the middle of a contract negotiation. Yeah. Uh, and there's a deadline. We're recording this on a Tuesday. The 11th, I think, and Monday the 17th is an important deadline with your franchise. So I don't even know where, where to start. Where are you at? Why are you not happy? Um, and what are you waiting for from, from the Giants? I don't know. How do I get into a contract negotiation with the franchise tag? Where do we start? Um, yeah, I think you kind of got to go back to the beginning. Uh, and I wouldn't use the word unhappy. Uh, it's just I was, quote, our GM, you know, from the first phone call we had when we started the negotiation process, uh, none is personal, it's business, business is business. And it, it forces you at, at this age and at this time to to really grow up. And this is really my first time ever having a real negotiation process or really um, a back and forth. When you get drafted in the NFL, especially in the first round, everything's kind of slotted. Um, you can work out, like, the nuances of the of the contract, the little details of the contract, but everything's pretty much slotted. Like, if you get drafted number two, you get a certain, you get a certain amount this year, and that year, and it's guaranteed money, mm-hmm. and every single position or pick after, it carries on. Um, for me, it was just, you know, you got to know your worth. You, you know, you, gotta, you want respect. It's a tough game. It's a physical game especially the position I play. Um, I, I think the average might be two to three years mm-hmm. uh, career lifespan in, in the position I play. So for me, I'm blessed to be able to 
have the injuries I've had and, and battle, um, you know, those trials and tribulations, those ups and downs with during my career, and be able to come out at the end of the tunnel um, still ready, still healthy, uh, being able to get back to myself. That, that's hard. That's, that's, that's tough. But when it comes to the contract negotiation, you, you kind of get to the point where there's a market. Um, you have other people try to dictate and tell you what your worth is and mm-hmm. how much, you know, we should pay you. And you you see the number and you're like, okay, like, I'm not going to accept that number. Usually how negotiation processes really go and uh, with NFL contracts, they kind of shoot you low. You shoot something really high, um, not realistic that you're probably going to get. They're like, we're not going to do that. You come here, come down, boom, boom, meet in the middle. Right. Something everyone's happy. Kumbaya, boom, boom, move on. Um, for me, it was kind of a little different. I got offered during the bye week. The bye week for, obviously, there's fans that may not be attending football games or understand National Football League or American football. Um, bye week is a week where you kind of get off uh, throughout the season. Some is early in the season, some's halfway, some's later on in the season. Uh, they offer me a number. In a bye week, really had like three days. I, I wasn't going to accept it. I was like, you know what, I, I'd rather kind of just finish off the season. Um, the number that they offered me, they kind of thought I might jump at because of my injury history. But as me being a competitor, you know, I was like, I, I'd rather bet on myself. I'd rather bet on myself. I, I know how my body feels. Uh, and you know what? I feel like I'm continuing to have a good season. End up doing that. We made it to playoffs. Then it gets kind of tricky because uh, now you can you can tag. You, you can get tagged and you get to a certain deadline. Explain that for the people that aren't familiar with, with football. So the tag is that average of the top five people in your position I think in the last certain years it's not actually like the the average of the top five players in your position right now it's not even that I think it's I forgot the exact number of the years I think it might be five years I think it's five it's the average of those five of the top five in the last five years so you're you're running back and there's some rule that takes the average over some Mm -hmm. it seems kind of arbitrary and I think we should talk about who makes these rules and stuff, but there's a rule that then they get to tag you, almost like a physical game of tag, which mm-hmm. then freezes you, right? Yeah. Or like, how does it work? And what's the deadline on Monday? So the tag is you get to a certain point. I forgot the exact date, but you got to 4 p.m. Uh, to get it, you know, that they can tag you guys and kind of came between me and another teammate, me and my teammate was able to get his deal done. I'm happy for him. And at 3.55, uh, I got the text and and I was tagged by 3.57 and I missed it by three minutes and it's, it prevents the player from hitting the open market from hitting free agency and mm-hmm. when you hit the free agency you can negotiate with multiple teams and that really helps you because now you have other teams going against each other and you get to pick where you want to go um, and you, most of the times it drives up your number it drives up your APY it drives up the guarantee money that you want so you get tagged and then sometimes it's used as a placeholder um, as you would think, but it really kind of takes a lot of leverage away, a lot of power from the players. Uh, I can't say that for every position because the tag isn't just not only for running backs. The tag is for every position in the NFL. Um, some tags are higher than others. For for the running back, it's 10. Uh, for a quarterback, I think it's like 35 or something like that. Uh, and then you get to a certain day, which is July 17th, to a certain time to figure out a deal. And if you cannot get a deal, a long-term deal, um, then you you still can work on a one year deal extension, uh, but most so you, of the times you don't. So you got the tag three fifty seven three minutes before the deadline. Yeah. When you got that call or when you hopped on the phone with anyone, was it described to you as a placeholder? Um, yeah, I want to say in that moment, right, right then and there, it was. Uh, I remember uh, I got the phone call. I said, the short conversation. They called me. And before they may say anything, I said, I know. And it kind of just hung up. And that's what it really was. But yeah, um, I didn't, the placeholder kind of wasn't a thing I just made up. Uh, It's, that's kind of how it's used, to be honest. But at the same time, it's the business side. It forces you to, you got to you know your value, you know your worth. But at the same time, you got to be mature about it. You got to understand it's business. You can't take it personal. It, It can't be like, Oh, like this person doesn't like me, or this and that. Or like you can't really look at it that way. Mm-hmm. And I knew, I knew once you get tagged, 
the leverage, my leverage is gone. And it kind of sucks in our business because it's a tough sport. You put a lot of physical demand on your body, on your mental. Uh, I think that's even more important. You hear stories about people in the league or especially after league, like, you know, the, the stuff that they deal with, the stuff that they battle with. And you kind of get fault for not being able to hit the open market and not be able to hit free agency. And for me, it was kind of, I guess you could say where, I want to say I'm not happy. For me, it's kind of like where, what's the word I'm looking for? Where I'm kind of like thrown off or kind of, you know, it just doesn't sit right with me. It's like I've came up publicly and said that I, I want to be a, a giant for life. Um, I didn't want to hit the free agency market. Like, obviously, I feel like it could have been done. We could have got the job done. Obviously, you know, they have their, they have their version of it. I have my version of it. Um, but that's probably where it's like, to me, where it's a little... It don't sit right with me because I'm like, I've came out. Like, I don't, I want to be here. Like, I, nothing more. I would love to bring a Super Bowl, bring a championship to the place I was born. Like, I was a Jets fan growing up, but I would drive by MetLife Stadium. It wasn't this stadium now. They had an older one, but I would drive by that stadium when I would go from Pennsylvania to New York to visit my family. And, like, even if I was asleep or whatever, my dad would always make sure I seen that stadium. And, like, in my mind as a kid, like, I'm going to play in that stadium one day. Like, you know kind of like manifested all that and it's here. So like, I don't, I'm, I live in New Jersey. I got a beautiful home. My family loves it. I'm close to my family. Like, for me, it's like, I don't want to go anywhere else. And like, I just want to get to football. That's mm -hmm. when it sucks. Cause like, it's the business side of it. But like, I just love football and yeah. I just want to play the game. Well, so, okay. The business side. So we were talking a little before this. So I'm American. I grew up, you grew up loving football. You play fantasy football. So I'm familiar with the tag, mm -hmm. but then I get older. I start a company. I get into finance. I understand what money is from a markets perspective, a financial markets perspective, because you're talking about it. There's the market and there's a bidder and there's an ask and there's a low price, a high price, and there's mm -hmm. a negotiation. So this is a financial market, just like right. stock market or trading Yu-Gi-Oh cards. So the tag to me is one of the craziest, and I don't want to like, get you in trouble or anything. It's one of the craziest ideas is like I, this isn't a perfect analogy, but I buy Apple stock. And I hold Apple stock. What you signed a four-year deal out of school after you got drafted, and then a one-year deal, and and that's where we are now. So you yeah, it's kind of fifth-year option. So after your four years, when, the one-year option. Yeah, if you're drafted in the first round, you get a four, and they have an option on your fifth year. So if yeah, if you play well enough, most of the times they pick. up. So I buy option. Apple stock five years ago. Um, I'm holding it. It matures. They're coming out with new phones. It's getting more valuable. They're generating more revenue. They're keeping more profit in their pocket. And then when I go explore the free market of how much that is worth, someone goes, nope, tag, mm -hmm. you're it, freeze. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, really, tag? What does that mean? I can't actually go see how much my thing I've invested, my blood, sweat, and tears, earning revenue, creating new pocket uh, products, taking risk. What, is, what does tag mean? It's not like a recess. And it's like, well, we're going to take the average of other stocks that aren't even yours, that isn't even Apple stock. We're just take the average of other S&P 500 companies mm -hmm. and we're going to just placeholder you and price you there. And we'll try and act in good faith and give you what you're worth. Um, but maybe we won't. Yeah. Is that, I mean, is that not the I craziest? Mean, From you, a financial markets, I mean, yeah. I'm exiting like as a football fan, as a, as a money guy, that's got to be the most asinine thing I've ever... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm just saying. It's oh, like, I agree. When you break it down like that and use that analogy... Um, I think for the people that's watching, uh, they will be able to understand that. It, it just, like I said, you gotta be mature about it. Like that's our business. That's what's in our CBA. That's what's in our rules. And some people actually believe like the tag is beneficial for the players. And you know, from my standpoint, from my from my point of view, it's like no, like it's kind of hurting me. And just how it works. Like now, I think we did the, when we, when did we do the new CBA? We probably did it what. Two, three years ago, I forgot. And every 10 years, um, you know, the NFLPA and the NFL sit down and then renegotiate it again. And I'm pretty sure that that, that would probably be a focal point. The tag, I would hope, uh, would be the focal point. Because especially it's like when you look at running backs, it's kind of not fair. Because then it's, to bring another way, you can draft a running back in the first round. And you can actually have that running back for a certain amount for seven years at the price you want. So if if the way the running back market, as people would say, is continue to go and the tag stays at ten, or the tag go, if they if they continue to treat it how we're treating, how they're trying to pay pay everyone else, like that number is going to go down. So you never know, the tag could be at seven, be at eight. You can draft a running back, 
mid to the late rounds. You know, a lot of a lot of backs. There's two backs that got drafted in the first round right now. For instance, a guy like B. John Robinson. He got drafted. I forgot. I think it was top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, not 100% sure. Um, great back. Uh, so the Falcons can draft him now, have that four-year deal, that contract, then tag him, not tag him, then pick up his fifth-year option, option yeah. and then tag him twice, and you're seven, and that's seven years. And then in the sport that we play, there's the the analytics behind it or the stats behind it that after a running back is in their age 28, their production goes down. Yeah. And that's like a threat. It was like when the deals that they're offering me, they're like, well, that's you can't take it personal because like yep. it's all tactics, it's all negotiations to try to get to try to convince you to accept the deal that they're giving you. It's like, well, we could tag you twice and you don't hit the open market until you're 28. So it's like that market where how you're using an analogy, I can't even hit the free agent market for another two years because he could tag me twice. So if I do what I got to do this year, which I plan on doing, they could tag me again. So you could have a certain running back for a low price for seven years. And we're the one that take the most mileage. We're the one, I mean, if, if I don't know if, like you said, some of your fans might not watch NFL games, but if you ever tune into a New York Giants game or a Giants game this year, there's times where I had 40 touches. <laughs> and there's a point in time in the season where I was 40% of our offense. I, I finished, I think I finished around 30% of offense production for our team. And yeah. I mean, if you don't got to be a math major, that's, that's a lot. Um, that's, a, that's a lot of production for the team. I mean, so it's, it's almost crazy. like I can artificially cap your entire career, basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so, okay, the running back position you play is definitely, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is the most physically brutal. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned it, and I had made sure I knew it before coming in here. It's a little less than three years is the average duration of a running back in the NFL. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you're on the other side of that. But, yeah, for the rules of the league to say we're going to draft you to a four-year contract, a fifth-year option, pick up the option, and then get to tag you twice, which artificially suppresses the pricing, or there's what I would describe, and I hope your team lets us keep this in here, because I'm not trying to, you are so mature, and I've gotten to know you, and part of your introduction, I didn't mention that you're a father, I didn't mention that you're an investor, I didn't mention that you were very early uh, with us in Bitcoin, Mm. and so I've gotten to know you as a businessman, a dad, incredibly mature. And so I'm speaking for myself and I hope they let us keep this in here. Um, But that to me sounds like market manipulation. If this is a financial market, what would I, so there are rules in the United States of America that (laughs) uh, everyone that sells beer, Coors, let's say Coors Light and Bush Light and Heineken and all the beer taps when you walk into a bar, if they all call each other and say, let's tag the price of a beer and make it $25. If you all do it, I'll do it. And then what? People are going to stop getting drunk? No. They'll just figure it out and Mm. pay us all $25 for a beer. That's collusion. That's illegal. That's market manipulation. And in different circumstances could be considered something like insider trading or something like that. And Mm. there are regulators that oversee that. The crazy thing to me is the National Football League is at one point was a nonprofit, um, is a really weird setup. It owns, it's the constituents of the system. So like the fact that someone could make these rules and you could basically, you've worked your whole life to perform physically over whatever your career is going to be. The average is two, maybe it's seven, maybe it's 10, hopefully it's longer. But then that's the extent of your career and that they could kind of manipulate the market or set artificial weird rules on how your price and what your worth is. I mean, that done rub you the wrong way? Did I get any of that wrong? Uh, I mean, conspiracy thinking, I guess. <laughs> uh, I, if you think, I can't, I, don't, I mean, I'm not saying nothing wrong. I'm not saying this is what happened. If, if you think GMs and owners are picking up the phone call, especially GMs and, and talking about like a situation, whether it's with me, Josh, and Tony Pollard, those are the guys or other running backs in NFL right now that all facing a similar situation I am. Um, there's another former teammate of mine, Evan Ingram. He's he's uh, tagged too. But if you don't think GMs are talking, front offices are talking about, oh, how much you guys think you're going to pay this guy? Yeah, like or, the beer like, companies. Like, just like you were saying, like, I, I find that hard to believe, but I can't sit here and say, like, that's 100% going on, but I find that really hard to believe. Of course. So, you know, you know what's crazy, too, is uh, I'll tell everyone a real example is the card network companies. 
Um, so now we're, re- I don't know if you were prepared. We're not even going to talk about football for a second, but. I'm here to get educated too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a good example is Visa MasterCard. So when I say the NFL was a nonprofit, might still be, I was on irs.gov before we started recording, trying to figure out their nonprofit status. But you're like, NFL's a nonprofit, like Red Cross is a nonprofit? Yes. And so was Visa. Visa was a nonprofit, uh, I think up until 2007 or 2008, which is insane, is that there was money being made. They're conducting our financial transactions. They're not donating to charity. How is that possible? And what ended up happening is the Department of Justice and a lot of regulators got in there and said, you guys are, are colluding prices. Visa and Master, this was their accusation. Um, and I, and and so, you know, again, conspiracy. I don't want to get in trouble either. Mm-hmm. But the accusation was that Visa and MasterCard would call each other and say, hey, you know, we charge, let's say, half a percent when everyone swipes their card. What if we charge two and a half percent? If you'll do it, I'll do it. And what are people going to do? Stop using cards? How? Go to cash? No chance. Ready? Go. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, on the same day, the prices is raised 400%, 500%. And the government actually had to step in and break it up. And to me, it's like the NFL, it's, you just told the story of like, okay, it's 357, when's the phone call? You got it, this running back got it, that guy got it, tag, you're it, you're mm-hmm. not getting paid. That's insane. That's market collusion. So uh, it's, a, it's, it's probably in, in the United States of America where we now, you know, we have one of the strongest financial markets in the world. One of the reasons is because it's regulated and it, that provides efficiencies is people know they're not going to get scammed. People know they're not going to get colluded against. People know that the market's supposed to be. It's not always. I think there's a ton of shit that goes on, but it's theoretically efficient, fair, honest, and that's why it's so liquid and so big. Mm-hmm. And so f- to be in the United States of America and have someone's career and self-worth get priced by something called the tag. It sounds like we're playing Yu-Gi-Oh or something. Like, oh, I got Charizard tag. Mm-hmm. That's not worth what you think it is. Like, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's the yeah. craziest thing. You think most people know the NFL is a nonprofit? No, people should look it up. I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Mm-hmm. And you work for the guys? Well, As technically, an employee? No, not. technically he's not an employee. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. You work for a charitable, uh, <laughs> I guess. Um, it's the, so, I guess, and you're taking a mature stance. You're like, nothing I could do. I love this game. Um, I love my teammates. That's the thing I asked you too: is how you can sit in a locker room and say, like, potentially, I love these guys. I want to win a Super Bowl. I love this city. Um, but then have these negotiations going on. I mean, I, is that think, wear on you at all? No, I think the way it is, and we were kind of talking to it. I alluded to it a little earlier when we were talking off air. You got to go, it's hard, it's a hard balance because you got to go back to, I got to go back to when I was that kid and, and Copley, you know, didn't have, I didn't come from much, I didn't have a lot, never felt like it. My parents did a great job, but I was always aware, you know, we didn't make a lot of money. Um, you know, I, I, I remember sitting down one time, I was on the phone with my dad. I was on the phone with a uh, with my manager and, and my marketing guy and my dad was sitting next to me and a deal came up and the money was, it was, a good, it was a good amount of money, mm-hmm. but the timing, I wasn't able to, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So I had to turn it down. And my dad's like sitting next to me and he just like looked at me and smiled. And I'm just like, what are you smiling about? He was like, you know, like me and your mom together when, in one year, when, in two years, would not have made that deal you had to turn down. Mm-hmm. So like, you got to go back to that place. And obviously that's more of like off the field, but you got to go back to that kid and you got to go back to those fans. Like, you come to the Giants game, I see a lot of fans with two, the two six jerseys. I see a, a lot of people that come up to me, like the game that I play, which I play free for majority of my life, I'm able to have an impact. I'm able to create memories for kids, for fans, for people. So that's why like when I, when I, you have to take a, a mature route because you can't just come out here and be like, Nah, fuck that. Like, I need something that's fair. Like, I want something that's fair because, like, yeah. fair, what are we talking about? Like, at the end of the day, like, we, we talk, a tag is still $10 million. And I'm, I'm well aware of that. And it's $10 million is a lot of money. A lot of money. And when you especially look at the, uh, the economics of our, our country and you look at the people in our country and where the, the poverty rate is, and I'm, I'm a person that comes from that, like, it's hard to be like, you know what? Like, you see it on a... On, on TV, on ESPN, Saquon reportedly turned down this, turned down that. Like, and you got fans, like, how much do you want? Like, we just want you to be here, this and that third. Like, that's when it gets a little more upsetting to me because it's like, 
but that's not the whole story. Like, I know, I know I'm not leaking out these stories and who's the source. And then they're like, I don't want to come off like I'm greedy. I don't want to come off like I'm arrogant. Like, at the end of the day, you still got to do what's right for you, though. And $10 million is a lot of money. But when you talk about, I know what Derrick Henry signed for. I know what Nick Chubb signed for. I know what Dalvin contract previously was. I know what Christian McCaffrey contract is. He's the highest. He's at like $16 million. And I'm not even asking. Of course. For, I'm not even asking to be the highest paid. In my belief, I believe I'm the best running back in the NFL. You ask me that to my core. I believe... I don't, I don't care about stats. I don't care about this. Like, every situation was different. I believe I'm the best running back in the NFL. And I'm not even asking to be paid the highest running back. But, like, Whoa. I know, I know the, I know, like, I could, it's not hard math. I can, I know if I play on a tag two years, which was, I'm not saying a threat, which was someone told me, we could tag you twice and you won't hit the open market until you're 28. Well, I know two years combined, the tag is 22.5. So why would I ever accept a deal? that the guaranteed money is not higher than 22.5. So everyone gets caught up in the APY. Everyone mm-hmm. gets caught up in that number. Everyone gets caught up in a $13, $14 million a year. You want that as security, as a player. So like that's, that's the number that's out there. Like I turned down 13, 14, right? So let's say, let's just say, let's go away from the source, right? The, the number that's out there reported. Let's say if it was $15 million, right? My APY was $15 million. That means how much you get a year, average per year, $15 million, right? The really thing that matters the most is the guaranteed money. But you still want the 15, 15 because it's still competitive. Like mm-hmm. I was saying, how we're talking about with Josh Jacobs off air. Like, all right, I know if, say, if if the best back was getting paid $13 million and I want to be, the, I believe I'm the best back in the NFL, like, I should get 15. All hypothetical situation. Obviously, that's not even the case what it is. I should get 15. But just because you give me 15 APY and my guaranteed money, it's $10 million. Like, that's the money that you're actually going to see. A lot of these deals is two years. It's a three-year deal, but the first two years are guaranteed. And the third year, you know, it's all about production. See how you're doing. Like, they can they can kick you to the curb or they can continue to have you. Mm-hmm. And so it does matter. APY does matter. But a lot of people get so caught up in that. The thing that matters the most is the guaranteed money. But you still want the APY as a player because you know, like, why would I take if this if Joe Schmo is making 12 and he signed... $12 million in 2018 when the cap was $180 million yep. and now the cap is 224 225 That $12 million in 2018 goes up. Well, That's $12 million. It's not $12 million now. Worth. Like for all the... I'm not even asking for what I'm worth. Oh, you... Because I just told you I'm the best running back in the NFL. <laughs> and I, but like that's, that's like... I'm not going to war for that. Like in the negotiations, I, in the negotiation process, or when I'm talking to them, like I'm not going for that. Like everyone talk about, you could talk about numbers. I believe that, like if you look at every one team and you look at the situation, is no. And first of all, football for fans that don't watch football, I believe football is the greatest sport to ever be played because it's, in my opinion, it's a, the best team sport. Eleven man on the field, and if one person messes up, the play's wrong. The play's automatically wrong. It mm. needs all 11, all 11 people mm-hmm. to do it. So it's not one person that gets the job done. But like I said, if I'm sitting here telling you at one point in the season I have 40% of our offense and I finish the season with 30% of our offensive production, like I don't know what other bats can really say that and were able to help my team make it to the playoffs, the first time I make it to the playoffs in five, six, seven years. So yeah. I'm not even going to war for that. Well, like, I mean, I got a ton of thoughts. Well, first of all, to all the fantasy football tough guys out there, <laughs> It's just not how financial markets work. Mm-hmm. I'll do another analogy. I'll, I'll buy Apple for $10 million right now. $10 million, a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of money. Yeah. I'll call Tim Cook and I'll buy Apple Computer for $10 million right now. And if he's going to turn it down because Apple's worth $3 trillion. Probably makes sense. No, that guy's an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's not how markets work. You know, we all have interface, financial markets, money. It's crazy. And so for all the tough guys out there, um, it's a financial market. And it just, and you, you know, you are the bigger man, both physically uh, and uh, maturity wise. Because I told everyone when I started this podcast, I don't got any advertisers. I'm not in it for the money. I told them I'd tell them the truth. So I got the players back, not just this guy, but to the NFL, um, you're, this is market collusion, I would say. I would, invite, I would invite some proper regulation, some oversight, or just let the market be free. Screw regulation, free market. What's a tag? Get rid of all the rules. Let these guys shop around, collect bids. That's um, bullshit. It's bullshit. And all these guys, um, because you're talking about being 28 years old and being nervous 
about not having a free market to source what you've built over your life um, because his career is not gonna last forever either. So this is ridiculous. As a guy who now is familiar with financial markets and money, it's absolutely bullshit. And not just you, but all these guys that risk their lives to play this sport and in all of our living rooms, um, the NFL, uh, I'll, I'll, leave it, I'll, I'll leave it at that. And you don't gotta respond to that. I got a I got a question um, for you though. It's just it's just like insider trading. It's market manipulation. It's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. These guys are kids too, by the way. This is a 26 year old man now. I think when I met you, you I mean this guy fresh out of college is uh, risking his body and he's worked his whole life to have a career for hopefully four years, hopefully eight years to make what would hopefully support his family forever. And you guys are gonna price suppress that and collude against him um, and act as a nonprofit organization and make up rules like I'm playing freeze tag and recess. Get the fuck out of here. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever, as a guy that comes from financial, you tell a guy like at the CME in the Chicago trading pit that these are the rules, now go make corn futures, they'd spit in your face. It's ridiculous. It's, the point of markets is price discovery, is efficiencies. Um, that's why that they exist. And this is not efficient in price discovery. Um, this is a ridiculous situation. You want to play football and you want to win a Super Bowl for New York. And you talk about when you were a kid, you drove by the stadium. That's what it's all about. You're living all of our dreams, man. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, oh, and by the way, it's good for you. <laughs> I got a. <laughs> All that's good for you. I got a. So there's a, a subtle point that I really agree with where you talk about um, your worth and respect. Because sometimes when I'm with buddies and they're like, you know, why does money matter? Why do you care? Uh, my answer recently is, is money is a reflection of your contributions to society. It's a technology that we created. Like I, I did this in the first episode of our podcast. I'll do it again with you. If you, let's rewind time thousands of years and you grow bananas all day and that's what you do with your time, your energy. That's how you contribute to society. And I grow apples all day. Okay. Unless I coincidentally want bananas every meal all the time and you coincidentally want apples every meal all the time. Mm -hmm we're not gonna be able to exchange our contributions to society, right? And so money is a thing we created that solved something called the coincidence of wants, where if you are an expert windshield fixer and your buddy is a lawnmower and you're an Apple grower and the other guy's the CEO of Apple Computer, we can all take our collective contributions to society and exchange it for this thing called money. And then we can take the money and exchange it if we want a banana or if we need our windshield fixed or if mm -hmm. we need our lawn mode. And this money thing can actually store our energy and our contributions to this world as value. And then we can price things against it and we can exchange it. And that's why there are many different versions of money and there are different approaches and there's some pros and cons. Some go faster, some grow in wealth over time, right? Does that make sense? And so for me, I never, I've never looked at it like that. But yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, I mean, what do you point. think about that? I, I think that's a great point. For like, for me, it's always been, money is how you take care of your family. Money mm. is how you provide for yourself. And does money matter? No, because at the end of the day, when you die, you can't take it with you. And this life is so short, and you want to be able to create wealth for, as you said, as I'm, as I'm a dad for my kids and for, for them to have something and then their kids to have something and so on and so on and so on. But when you really break it down like that to your contribution to society, like that's like a, you got me over here thinking, I'm over like that's in my head spinning. I'm like, that's, that's like a, that's a really great outlook of it. And I don't know, I, I think that's, I don't know why I've never heard that before. I've never, it's never been broken down to me like that in my life. It's because we just started the motherfucking Money Matters podcast. And this is That's why, why we're, we're doing, doing what yeah. we're doing. Let's go. So when I hear you talk about, and I could tell subconsciously, um, maybe you hadn't had a conversation like this before, but you can feel it, mm -hmm. is that that's not what I'm worth. My contributions to this organization, I heard you explain throughout my career to society, what I mean to this country and to this game. Um, so I guess how, what I'm curious about is how involved 
are you in actually negotiating? Like, do you have in your head, because markets are very complicated. Just to say that the NFL is colluding and this is an inefficient rigged market doesn't mean that any of us have the answers. So do you know, do you, you have a price or do you do any math or do you, how do you value yourself? Well, how's that work? You really, you, you, you can't do too much in negotiating the process because like the, like the rules and stuff. Um, so anytime I really like, say if I'm talking to my coach or I'm talking to my GM, like that's really not the conversation. More rules yeah, yeah. from <laughs> the constituents of the system. <laughs> so you, obviously you hire an agent and you know, your agent comes and they talk to you and they, they break it down. I don't think our market is really that hard to read mm. uh, because everything is out there. Like, you know, like I know what mm. this guy's making. I know what, I know what the top five guys are making. And, I value myself. I view myself as the best running back in the NFL. I've said that already. But for me, like, I was like, you know what? Like, I can go there. I can go to war, try to get as much money as I can. But yeah. at the end of the day, like, like I said, what, what really matters is winning and winning a championship. And I know if I'm able to help bring a championship to New York, that's going to go miles, miles more ahead than this contract. Because yep. like at the end of the day, like you only have, what, probably two to three contracts. Like I'm going on my second one, God willing, I stay healthy, knock on wood, get another contract, my third contract, and your third contract, and I don't care who you are, is never as quite as big, it's never as, as big mm -hmm. as your first one, and it's never as big as your second one. So you get your third contract. For me, it's like, I'm in New York, I'm in a great place, I have unbelievable, unbelievable connections, met a lot of great people, and I see myself more than just a football player. I see myself doing a lot more after football. And I know I live in New Jersey, but I know right across that bridge, that's the greatest place to do it. Um, yeah. And that's why every, I'm conscious about everything, the way I carry myself, um, you're, you're, not really your reputation, because like, when you worry about your reputation, obviously like, you got to be focused on that, but then it, it comes off not real. And for me, I've just been authentic. I've just been myself. Um, I carry myself how I was raised, and that, that goes a long way. So I know, like, where I understand how much winning matters. Mm -hmm. So it's like, for me, I'm like, no, I don't need to go to war for to, to sit here and, and have an ego boost and po poke my chest out and be like, I'm the best running back in the NFL. Like, I could say that, I could show that with my play, but my money might not have to be necessary, doesn't necessarily need to correlate towards that. So I'm like, for me, it's like, you know what? I, I, I let them know, like, I want to be here. I've sat down with the owner. Right. We looked straight face to face and like, you know, we had a conversation and that was the only time I really kind of got involved in the process, the negotiation process. And like, I was just like, I sat down with the owner, owner told me what it was told me how much they felt, how they care about me. And this is where we were still going tit for tat. Like, yep. you know, yep. I forgot the, the analogy you used, but they went low, we went high. Yep. They barely went up, we barely went down. Like, that's how, that's how, like, it's a market. that's how it goes. Yep. Like, I sit down, I sat down with the owner and I was like, the owner opened up to me and I respected that. Like, you called me in as a man. You sat me down as a man. We looked each other eye to eye told me how much you feel about me, I let you know. You know how much I feel about this place, how much I feel about your family. We have two owners, how much I feel about Tish's family. And that's when I picked up the phone and I called my agent and I was like, I don't care, let's get it done. Like, I don't care how, like, boom, let's, this is where I, I want to be, I'm fine. This is the number I'm fine with, boom, boom, let's get there. But then when you get tagged, like, then it's kind of like, yep. now they have the tag, now it's like, you know what, Saquon, if we really don't want to, we don't have to offer you anything. But I feel like, <laughs> There's the obvious cost of playing a season, knowing that you're not necessarily making what you're worth, but there's a hidden benefit, which is relevance. Mm. You stay relevant. And I feel like for a life after football, relevance is a huge precursor to that being successful. No, if I go fuck yourself. What are you talking What do you mean? <laughs> if I don't care about you on the field, why would I care to hear about you off of it? Okay, I tell you what, you work for me, right? You want to stay relevant? I'll pay you zero dollars in the year of 2020. Can I get Nike brand deals? <laughs> that's, but that, no, that's, you're taken away from this. This guy gets Nike brand deals because he resonates with our country and with kids and with their brand. He doesn't get Nike brand deals because they colluded to suppress his worth. I have no I worry. I have no worry about going on a football field and knowing that I'm not playing for my worth or saying if I have to play under, because that's this is my leverage. My leverage is, I can say fuck you to the Giants, I can say fuck you to my teammates and be like, you want me to show you my worth? You want to show you how much how valuable I am to the team? I won't show up, right. I won't play it down. And that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a play I can use. 
do I, anybody knows me, knows that's not something I want to do. But like, it's something that has it something that crossed my mind. It's like, I never, to. I never thought I would ever do that. But like, now I'm at a point where it's like, Jesus, like I, I might have to take it to this level. And like, am I willing, am I prepared to take it to the level? I don't know. That's something I got to sit down and like, I got to talk to my family. I got to sit down and talk to my team. Got to really, you know, strategize about this. Can't just like go off of emotions. Cause like I have, like I sit here and say like, oh, be mature. I have my moments. Mm. Like, I have, I have my moments where I want to, like I see something on this, this stupid ass phone <laughs> and I want to respond. I want to let the world know how I really feel. But like I, I am at a place where if I do go on the field and I have to play and prove again, I'm fine with that because a little inside with, when the bye week, so you come in and it's like the bye week and these teams, they get, they get an evaluation of you and they, you have a comp, you have a player comp. And like, so my comp was more like, I'm not gonna say, I don't wanna use names, but my comp was more two running backs who really aren't used in the pass catching game. They're mm -hmm. more like downhill runners, great running backs. That's my comp. So that's another thing where, where you talk about negotiation and like where your values, like they already showed me their hand. Like they showed me, they, they gave me who my How comp they were thinking about it. They, well, they, 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 they told me my comp and like I know their number. So it's like, if that's what you're telling me and I know what they signed for at a certain amount of time, like what are we, what are we, what are we really talking about? Like if they signed for that number at, and everyone keep talking about the market, I'll, I'll get on that, like the running back market going down. I'll get on that. I'll get on that eventually. But like after hearing that, like, you go and they tell you this is what you are. This is the type of player you are. And I'm like, uh, no, like I can catch the ball. I had 91 catches. I have the, the, the record, the rookie record for running backs. And I have the rookie record out of all receivers mm -hmm. in any position in Giants history of the most catches in a season. And it was a lot of those screen passes, dump down passes. Yeah, but like in college, you go to my college film, like I have routes of me running downfield, catching the ball. Like just because I got, it's all about coaching. And I, I'm not, when I say that, I don't want people to try to, I'm not trying to have people turn in, but oh, I'm talking about bad coaching. It's like, no, like I, I can run routes. I, I, I can get open. I, I can, I'm like a playmaker. Like I can be used like that. I'm only doing this because this is what the team needs me to do. Like, I train my ass off the, the prior, prior offseason. I cut, usually I play at 233. I cut weight down. I was like 227, 226, because the whole, the whole summer and the whole OTAs, I was running, I was used more like a Christian McCaffrey type. Mm. So I'm thinking like, all right, that's what I'm gonna have to do. But then, you know, I don't wanna get too deep because I don't wanna try to speak on other people's situation. We had to go to a, t a, a, a focal point where, I have to hand the ball, they have to hand the ball off to me 30 times to help us win a football game. Yep. And I'm fine with that. So like the reason why I kind of, I'm kind of you know, rambling here, but the reason yep. why I'm fine with, if I have to play on that, because I learned my lesson. Like I got to a point where like, they told me this is who I am. They offered me a bi-week deal. They offered me a bi-week deal. And then they told me the type of player I am. And then they showed me that next week, I carried the ball 35 times. I touched the ball 40 times. And like, we won the game, but it was like, it was literally like, set hut, boom, set hut, boom. Set up, boom. And it was just me just ramming my head, boom, boom. And then that's where, like, why I think I'm in a place where I'm like, you got to be more mature about this. Because I, I had two or three games where credit to the teams, you know, I got credit to them. They played well. A focal point when you play the Giants is to stop me. Uh, I'm, I'm fully aware of that. Yep. But I think, I do think a lot of that was on myself because I'm in my head. I'm like, these motherfuckers are telling me what I am. And, like, they're showing me, like, Nah, fuck them. Like I'm in my head. Like I'm, I'm, I'm coming home. I'm still training. But like, and when you get in your head in football, it's like mm -hmm. especially like I had to do it when I came back from my knee. But I had it. It took me two or three weeks. Where I had like boom. No, like that's not it. Like don't take it personal. You can't take it personal. You gotta go out. You gotta ball. Like you gotta still go out there and perform. And that's why I'm in a place where I'm. If I have to do it, like fuck it. Yeah. Um, do you have an, I'm sorry. You know I love you. That was, a, that was a too aggressive of a reaction to you. Well, oh, the fuck you? Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I think it's an interesting point, though. Like, for sure. I mean, I think it's a point that deserves a rebuttal. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would never... You're, I love you. Um, love you too, buddy. Um, <laughs> uh, so a point that in the Bitcoin community we talk about a lot and in the world isn't talked about enough is what happens when the money breaks and when markets aren't working properly. So going back to a question I got for you, if you go back to what we just described as money as a technology, like we invented it. 
And there's been different forms of it. We've used gold. We've used shark teeth. We've used this version of the U.S. dollar, this version of the U.S. dollar, real estate, stocks. There's all these different things that we would consider money. Uh, And what happens if it breaks and doesn't work? For example, let's say you grow apples all day and instead of in exchange for a dollar or a Bitcoin, I gave you a loaf of bread. That loaf of bread, what if you got paid, what if your giant's contract, they just gave you loaves of bread instead of dollars? Well, those loaves of bread would get moldy and they would go, they would go bad, right? And so that's a bad form of money. And if the money breaks, then you stop contributing to society mm-hmm. and you stop caring about the right things, which is let me be the best running back or the best windshield fixer or the best apple grower because the money will be hard. It will last through time. I can exchange it for other goods and services. And as a technology that grows and supports society and represents my contribution to this collective thing that is humanity, I'm all good. And that grows our species because then we could be the best at what we do and we could focus on reproducing and being a great father and being a great running back. Mm. Now, what if the money breaks? What if markets aren't working? Now, all of a sudden, what you just talked about is now you're in your head. Now you're not thinking about being the best running back or the best teammate. You're not thinking about, I will take no carries or I will take every carry because I just care about winning. Now, all of a sudden, if the money starts to get fucked up, now people, now you have people in society that are a barber, but half their time is spent on how to invest because of inflation, because the housing market's going up. Mm. So now you have a guy, instead of being the best barber he could be, is only half the barber he could be because the other half of his time is figuring out what stocks he needs to pick in order to buy a home or in order to get his engagement ring for his wife or in order to pay rent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like if the NFL has rigged markets or if our financial system is rigged, it fucks up society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like do you, does that resonate in the league at all? Like, do you have guys that are playing football for the wrong reasons, are distracted, or just not focused because of the money and the markets and how you guys get priced and contracts and tags and stuff like that? I mean, it's tough. I think every year someone's going to get tagged. It's this year, it just happened to be me. It happened to be me. Or I'm like the hot story, the person who got tagged. Every year someone's going to get tagged. Contracts, there's, there's there's a lot of stuff in and people contracts that can can really fuck you over. Yeah. Um, you gotta make sure you you have a, a really good agent because um, some a lot of way that these teams create these contracts, it's all it's all yeah, the betterment yeah. of them. Yeah. At the end of How's day, your like, focus been this off season? My focus. Yeah. Um, I mean, you got this looming all over you. I feel like every time I open up ESPN, it's the only thing anyone wants to talk about. I've got used to it. Like I like, it's funny. Like I'll be on in XL, so I'll be training. Get my body worked on. I look up on the TV. It's my name pop across, and like you kind of get used to that. But like, I I think it's like I'm all about legacy. I'm all about I want to be great. Uh, it's part of my story. Yeah, that's okay. what it really is. Well, so, um, but it's a good point I think to at least talk about is that when the money works, society flourishes. Mm-hmm. If I can say I'm going to be the best at what I want to do, I know I'm going to get money. And that money's going to last through time. It's going to afford me what I need in my life so that I can focus on my craft. I can focus on being a dad. It helps us all. It helps humanity. We reproduce. We go from 10 humans to 8 billion humans. We go from cavemen to having self-driving cars, right? Money is a technology we use to support and scale society. I would argue the dollar is broken. I personally, I would say that the U.S. dollar isn't functioning properly as money as a technology. Why? Because of inflation. I would say if I work my ass off and I get paid dollars, but those dollars are worth less over time. Over time, I get less housing. I get less eggs and groceries. I get less cars. I get less things with the money. Then the money isn't lasting through time, and I have an incentive to immediately spend it. Or I think the money's broken. I think what is go- a lot of what's going on in the world is because the money's broken. If, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, um, but what I'm curious about as an athlete is, is if there's something like inflation um, that we all are now aware of, record inflation in the U.S. recently, um, do you ever think about that type of shit? Because as an athlete, you know, you're seeing Tom Brady sign, what did he sign, a 10-year contract? Mm-hmm. So Tom Brady signing a 10-year contract for a set amount of dollars, but every year the dollars are worth less. So how are you going to tell someone that their contributions to society should be priced in a thing like a loaf of bread that's going expired? 
Do you ever, do, like, do, do athletes in the locker room or in the industry ever think about things like inflation or any of that stuff? To be honest, not really. That's not a conversation. That's not a topic that's really brought up. I, I think not just with inflation, but just the, fin- the financial side of it all in general. I think it, it kind of starts in college. You know, you, you are drafted, number two pick. You get a lot of money thrown at you, and you put a lot of trust in a financial advisor. And, I have a, a John. I have an amazing financial advisor, and you know, does right by me, and, and you know, someone who I call and, and mm-hmm. lean on and, and try to learn. Um, but just in general, I don't think athletes, I'm people in general, but definitely like when you talk about the, like in my world, like I see a lot of these kids. I call them kids. Like I'm not 26, but a lot of these guys who are, are balling in college and like they're you dream, you know, you work your butt off to to finally make it and get that deal. And then when you get when you actually get to the NFL, you realize it's really not the first deal you want. It's the second deal. The second deal is really the big hitter. But financial inflation is not really talked about enough in the locker rooms. It's it's not really brought to our attention. Um, you 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 hear about it here and there, but. Only time really, like, it's like when I sit down with you guys yeah. and I'm talking to you guys or I'm sitting down with cuz and talking to cuz, like, that's well, really the only time it's actually brought to my attention. I want to, so on the flight over here, so my point is that if you were to pay me in loaves of bread, they go expired, they go bad. So a loaf of bread that's moldy and isn't good anymore is not worth as much to the world, so I can't exchange anything for it. So basically my contributions to society in exchange for bread are worthless. Mm-hmm. What I did with my life and my job is now worthless because I had bad money. So if the dollar, let's say, is inflating 10% year over year, or real estate's getting 25% more expensive year over year, and it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse, how can you take a 10-year contract priced in something that's getting moldy, is my mm-hmm. point. So on the flight, and I think this is unique to athletes because no one is an accountant and signs a 10-year, $800,000 accounting deal, which means they're getting paid 80 grand a year, mm-hmm. right? They just get a salary yeah. and they fight for a raise. And if they don't like it, they go somewhere else. But as an athlete, you're like, your contributions to society are worth this much for this duration. Mm-hmm. That's an insane concept, especially if the thing that they're giving you in exchange for it is getting less and less valuable due to inflation. So I did this on the flight. Uh, Dylan, uh, young Dylan was all <laughs> sleeping and snoring next to me. But on the flight... What I was curious about, so you signed a, bear with me here, you signed a four-year deal, so you're a second overall pick, huge yeah. deal. You get four-year, $31.2 million guaranteed. Mm-hmm. You signed that on July 22nd, 2018. Sound about right. Yeah, okay. So I know more about, about you. So, okay. <laughs> so what I'm curious about is why an athlete or someone like Tom Brady in his Fox deal doesn't try and price his self-worth and his contract and what he's getting compensated for giving to society in something else that isn't dollars. So I went through this exercise. I did, what if you signed that contract and you got U.S. real estate instead? Mm-hmm. So you signed a four-year, 115.8 U.S. median homes guaranteed. So by the end of your four years, you would have gotten almost 116 houses in the U.S. And the median price of a home in July of 2018 in the United States of America was 269 grand. Now, though, a U.S. home is about $400,000. So there's been housing inflation. Houses have gone up in price because the dollar's gotten worse. And so your $31 million contract would be worth $45.8 million in houses if you priced your contract in a different money that is working better than the dollar. Okay, so housing, you would have been worth 45.8 instead of the 31. If we did S&P 500 index, you would have signed a four-year, 11,135 SPX deal, guaranteed shares of the S&P 500 index. Those are now worth just under $50 million. So those have inflated 57.8% since you got into the NFL, right? So your do- the dollars that these guys are pricing these contracts in are getting less and less stuff. So if you were to try to buy those 11,000 S&P shares today with the $31 million of that contract, you'd only be able to get 7,000. So as time goes on, the dollars are worth less. If you would have priced your deal in Bitcoin, you would have signed a four-year 4,200 Bitcoin guaranteed deal. Those Bitcoins are now worth just under 130 million. So Bitcoin has appreciated, inflated against the dollar over 300%. Mm. Isn't that fucking nuts? Mm. And it just, you never, like, you would never, I was 20 or 21 years old when I signed this, when I signed that contract. Like, I would, that's never a thought. Tom Brady, give me a call 
I think Tom Brady should sign a 10-year deal guaranteed in something else. I would choose Bitcoin, and we could talk about it. You're a Bitcoiner, mm-hmm. and we could talk about what we like about Bitcoin, why we think it's the best, but I'm shocked that these guys, that no one has had, maybe you should, maybe why no one has gone out and said, no, uh, I want my contributions to this organization and to this league and to America to be priced in housing or Apple stock or Bitcoin or a different version of money. Because if inflation is, let's say in, uh, housing inflation is 25% year over year, every four, eight, if you're signing a 10-year deal, housing is double tripling by the time you get fully paid. So your deal is worth a third to the world as what it was when you signed it. But you're not taught that as a kid. Why so not got, as an athlete? I mean, Why don't you well, get, I think, is it I don't a financial know, that, literacy problem? Definitely that. And I think you got to just, based off of the NFL, the majority of NFL is probably African-American. Not probably. I don't know the exact number. Mm-hmm. African-American. And growing up, a lot of, these, a lot of people in NFL, you know, whether it's you're in the hood, or a lot of people come from poverty. A lot of mm-hmm. people don't come from a situation where the family has money. So like you don't you never really understand money until you get money. Even when you get money, you still don't understand money. Like that's why I think it's important to get involved in college now. Like get involved with the college athletes, get involved with the college students. Cause like there's a, like I can't like the, my fault the, okay. the the deal the four year deal my my like that sounds amazing. But like my thought process would never have been there. Yeah. When I was 20, 21 years old. Would never have been there. And now these guys, you got all these five stars, all these big recruits coming in. They're 18 years old. They're going to have amazing uh, college careers. And then every year, there's going to be an NFL draft. Every year, there's going to be someone with the t- number one pick. There's going to be a 32 people that's in the first round. And they're going to get paid a large sum of money and are going to be looking at, like, what do I do? What do I do? Well, we're Some here. of them are going to come into high school and get paid yeah, a lot and, of money. And, and, right, NIL deals. Yeah, and, and you're right. And I, so for me, and I wasn't even, able to have that. I mean, that's yeah. even a step younger. I think, and I, I was 18. I don't. Even that's know. more dangerous to me, to be honest. Uh, it's kind of hard balance because like, I feel like if if you do it right, if you do it right, you have the right people around you. When you're 18, 19, 20, uh, a, a sophomore in college, freshman in college, you have the right people around you. Um, it could be helpful. I, I'm all about the players getting money, but I know, like, if I was in that situation, uh, well. I mean, how my life played out. I surround myself with great people and uh, surround and, and created a great team. So it would have been perfect. But there's some guys that when you're 19 years old and you, you get a million, two million dollars. It's like you think that's everything. Well, this and the is reality is not. Problem with society generally. It's not just because the NFL. I think NFL contracts are unique because you're pricing me over four years in mm-hmm. an asset that's inflating. But generally, nobody knows how money works. That's why we're doing mm-hmm. this podcast, yeah. um, is that people got to understand you exchange your life's worth for this thing called money. And if you exchange it and you manage it in a broken money, like if, if real estate's inflating 20% every year, unless I'm getting a 20% raise at my job every single year, I'm not making progress towards being a homeowner. Mm-hmm. The house is getting more expensive than I'm making. People don't get that. So you think it's like it should be a credential like in school or like in high school or something where like if you're not trying to like if I want to be a comm major, like mm-hmm. I really don't need like you're, to graduate in comm, you, uh, you got to take five financial classes. Like do you think it should be a credential or do you think it should just be more off of like having stuff like this, sitting down, talking to other people and enlightening other people about what's oh. going on in the world? Hopefully a podcast helps, and ho- hopefully a lot of my. How I start asking the questions, my <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> I mean, a lot of my goal in this podcast is to make money accessible by talking to guys like you. There's mm. so many kids that look up to you, and sitting in an econ class or sitting in a lecture versus listening to this is hopefully this is more accessible. It's more entertaining. It's more encouraging mm. to know that we don't understand money and you don't fully understand money and that's okay and that we can all learn together. So hopefully this is helpful, but what do I think the solution is? Is something like Bitcoin. I think that the money is broken. Is that the U.S. government and the Federal Reserve can just inflate it. So um, I think that they can make decisions and print more dollars. And the truth is that's devaluing all of our contributions to society. All of the dollars that we now hold are worth less. And we got those in exchange for what we do for the world. And so that just makes my life less valuable. It's kind of a backwards hand slap to my face and saying that, 
you and your contributions to this world are now worth less. You get less housing. Your daughter gets less clothes or less of a birthday party or less of a vacation. And that's bullshit, especially because it's involuntary. So one of the reasons I work on Bitcoin and I think it's important is that nobody can inflate it. And it's really important that we all have access to a money that can't be manipulated because money is so important to society working uh, and that we cannot just have it manipulated and devalue who we are. Um, that's what I think. But you're a Bitcoiner. What do, what do you think? You like, still hold Bitcoin and get paid in it and yeah. all that stuff? Mm -hmm. For me, though, it's like I, I kind of go like towards the athlete perspective of it or like how my life came. And I go back to like I want to be able to like there's no reason why like we couldn't have a seminar. Like I couldn't like hold a seminar and have you guys come out. Like we used to, I remember there was when we were um, when I was coming to college, there was one. You take like the top five, top 15, top 20 prospects, mm -hmm. and they all send us to Indianapolis during the combine. And you sit and you talk. But like from my memory, it was like all these people that was going up there is they you're going to get all this money and you're going to lose it all. This person's going to try to take it from you. I made this bad decision. Yeah. Like no one's telling you like what to actually do with your money. No one's actually telling you like how. They tell like, you what not to they do. They tell you what not to do. No one's telling you what to actually do with your mm. money. So like for me, it's like, you know, I always thought about this, like how can I give back? How can I go back to, because I'm always big on, and you guys know, giving back to, you know, my, my community and teaching them, educating them and, you know, holding events and, and just trying to change. Like you might only change 10 people's life. You might only change two people. You might change a thousand people's life. But I feel like we're all on this earth for some reason and it has yeah. to have impact and make a change in people's life and I feel like God's blessed me with a tremendous talent and put me in the spotlight and put me like how you said like to have impact and create special moments for, for kids so why not why not have like a seminar why not go like bring you guys like cause yes do, do I work with Bitcoin but it's I'm not as advanced as someone like you. I, I don't understand it as right. much as someone's like you. So we have a seminar. We have all the top college people, like all those people that the same way how to do the top 15, top 20 prospects or, or go to schools with these athletes. Because like, don't get me wrong, for everyone, it's important for everyone, but it's a big difference when you go from having $0 in your bank account to boom, I can't even 30. imagine, man. It's a big difference. It's what a big difference. Like? For me, the, like, I never truly fully understand it because like, I have a thing like, I don't look at my I don't look at my checks. Mm. Like my financial people handle that. Like I don't look at my checks. Like it's, it's, I think we get them on Tuesday or Wednesday. I forgot the day. Um, no matter when loss or draw, you're gonna have that check. Mm. And like, granted, like I know like this is it's amazing, yeah. but like, it's not what I'm doing. What's your uh, financial guy's name again? John. So good guy, right? Great dude. So all respect to John. Um, but one of the problems with society generally is that money is complicated enough where you need a financial advisor. Exactly. It's crazy, man. Mm -hmm. the, you know, like... And there's a lot of, like, don't get me wrong, I have a really good one. Like, a really good one. But there are there, a lot there, of really bad ones. There are a lot of people out there that are corrupt. Of course. Like, but it's, it's crazy, like, back to what I was saying, is that all of our jobs, we all share a job, mm -hmm. which is figuring out how to beat inflation. Whether you download Robinhood, whether you invest in your friend's company, whether you bought Bitcoin early, mm. we all share in a job of, because no one's getting 20% raise every single year. Yeah. And so then on top of that, we have to be a boyfriend or a husband or a wife or a concierge or an Uber driver. It makes us all worse how complicated money is and the fact that it's broken, man. So like the fact that you as a college kid need to get explained and lectured how to how it works, how to invest it, and then you need to employ and hire someone to hopefully figure that out is just the most insane. You know, it wasn't always like this. Like for the people at home mm -hmm. um, that are here because Saquon Barkley's with us, you know, gold used to be money before the dollar. Mm -hmm. The dollar was a representation of a, of a small piece of gold. Um, and, and gold was a good money because you couldn't inflate it. No one could just like print more gold. Mm -hmm. It has constraints to mother nature. Isn't like conspiracy, there's someone in, was it Africa? I forget. I forgot. The, I forgot exactly where it was. Someone who was trying, or like, or library, something like that, was trying to bring gold back, and then he got like assassinated or something like that. I probably. Yeah. You know, sounds the, right. Yeah. yeah. There's a <laughs> lot I, of. I remember, uh, like, on IG, I was on IG and don't or TikTok. I don't really go on TikTok. Don't be talking about it. IG. You get caught up in IG rules and like all this conspiracy stuff and something like that. Like came up and like anything that really tries to threaten or damage the U.S. dollar take over throughout. Ever since 
you know, U.S. dollar kind of became the main source, there's always something mysteriously happens to these people. Yeah, there are a couple mysterious things that yeah. have happened. Yeah. Oh, man, I got my El Salvador hat on. <laughs> uh, when I got home, that was a crazy time in my life, I'll tell you that mm-hmm. much. Um, well, we don't got to, I'm not going to uh, have Saquon Barkley going all anti-dollar on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think Bitcoin is anti-dollar necessarily. I think it's a good option that we all have. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we're on here. If we could ab- abolish the franchise tag, the NFL needs to free their markets and we can get Tom Brady to renegotiate with Fox and get a guaranteed. Let's do the math really quick on that. Scooty, how are we doing on time? Okay, this will be a hilarious uh, way to end it. So what was Tom Brady? He was 10-year, 300 million? Was that the contract terms? For... For the Fox, Fox deal? Yeah. I don't know. Does anyone know? Pull that up um, on the screen. Ten year, three hundred seventy-five million. Oh, for fuck's sake! Ten years, three hundred seventy-five million. He better be better than Romo. I'll tell you that much. I love Romo. All right. If Tom Brady were to take, is that all guaranteed money? I don't know. All right. Let's assume it's all guaranteed money. Uh, the point is that. That $375 million can get, let's say, a certain amount of real estate right now or a certain amount of S&P 500 stock right now. But over the course of the 10 years, the dollar is going to get weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and more inflated, and he'll be able to get less housing, less stuff, and so that his contributions to Fox and to the world is actually getting diminished despite him working really hard and being great because the money that he's getting in exchange for it. If Tom Brady were to change that with Fox, he could sign a 10-year, 12,000 guaranteed Bitcoin deal. And if Bitcoin were to have the same appreciation over the four years since you came in, five years since you came into the league, um, then that would it'd be worth over a billion dollars. So Tom Brady... Here's what we're going to do after this podcast. Give me a call, and we're going to negotiate with Fox. Guarantee, if you don't like Bitcoin, you don't like Bitcoin. That's on you, not me. You could get it in housing, stock, but don't price your life in dollars, Tom Brady, because you're going to be worth a fraction when you go exchange those dollars in a decade. Um, who knows uh, how, how hard the dollar inflates. I said I'd be unfiltered on this pod, man. Yeah, I like um, it. All right, brother, I appreciate you, man. Stay healthy. Good luck. Um, when's this coming out, Scooty? Are we Thursday? So we'll know. Oh, we won't know the fate. So no, we, we got six days. Yep. Um, you're the man. And like I said, not just a football player, um, father, businessman. Uh, you are a natural-born leader. And uh, I appreciate you, bro. Thanks no, for thank coming on. Thank you guys on, so much. I appreciate you guys for having me. Uh, I learned a lot. I got educated. <laughs> hopefully, a lot of you guys get educated. For the fans that don't watch NFL, um, hopefully, you guys are a fan now and get you guys to tune in. Much love, man. Much love.